Well, good morning and Happy New Year to all of you. Let's begin with our scripture lesson this morning, which is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, have you made your New Year's resolution? It's getting to be kind of a joke, isn't it? Because we make these resolutions and very few of us actually keep them. I read that 45% of Americans will make resolutions and only 8% will follow through. Maybe we can relate to the cartoon in which uh, uh, New Year's Eve partygoer is turning to a fellow partygoer and, and he has a look of horror on his face and he's saying, it's 12.15 and I've already broken my resolutions. But not everyone has treated resolutions so lightly. At the age of 20, Benjamin Franklin knew he had to change the course of his life, and so he made a list of four resolutions to follow. He resolved to become more frugal so that he could save enough money to pay those what he owed to others. He decided that he would be very honest and sincere in every word and action. He promised himself to be industrious to whatever business I take in hand. And lastly, he vowed to speak ill of no man whatever, not even in a manner of truth, and to speak all the good I know of everybody. And then out of these four resolutions, Franklin proceeded to make a list of 13 virtues, which he wrote in a book in a chart, uh, and, uh, so that he could keep track of these virtues, of how he performed doing these virtues every day. Thirteen virtues, so he'd practice one virtue every week. For instance, temperance. And uh, so he concentrated on that. At the end of the week, he would review his progress, and then he would start on virtue number two and practice that. And then when he, when he practiced all 13 virtues over 13 weeks, he'd go back to week one and practice the, uh, virtue number one. Well, all this is spelled out, by the way, in, in his famous autobiography. Franklin's desire to improve his character is admirable, but he would be the first to admit that he, uh, in many counts, failed miserably. One great man of God, a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards, the famous 18th century American theologian and preacher, 
was deadly serious about his resolutions and had no intention of ever breaking them. He sat down at the age of 17 and he wrote out 21 resolutions by which he would live his life. And he added to the list until his death he had over 70 resolutions. But he put, but he put at the top of his list this sentence, being aware that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I humbly ask him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions. And maybe that's the key thing to remember when we make any kind of a promise or a resolution, being aware that we are unable to do anything, really, without God's help. So each week, Jonathan Edwards would review his progress, God's help in the process, and Edwards' commitment to keeping his resolutions was a major factor in his spiritual growth. Part of what made that man so great in his time. But whether we make for, formal resolutions or not, I think it's a helpful exercise to think about the course of our life, the kinds of things that we want to work on for our own personal growth. And the new year always offers us an opportunity to perform um, a mental reset, to think freshly about our goals and our priorities. And I would guess that a lot of our resolutions have to do with our physical selves, but have we also thought about our spiritual lives? Can we resolve to do better in this vital area of life? Well, the Apostle Paul resolved to grow spiritually, and he summed up his intentions in his letter to the Philippians, that passage that we just read, where he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of the sharing of his sufferings. Paul's greatest desire was to grow in the love and the knowledge of the Lord so that he could be inwardly transformed and so fully identify with Christ's life and ministry. Put simply, his resolution was to get to know Jesus Christ better. Nothing else, says Paul, mattered all that much. I consider everything garbage compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, Paul knew that if he was going to keep that resolution to get to know Christ better, he would have to concentrate on one thing. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So let me break this down a little bit. Paul knew that he was, if he was going to grow in Christ, if he was going to make some spiritual headway in his life, he would need to leave the past behind, namely his past failures, his sins, his mistakes. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on, he says. And to a large extent, the, the Apostle Paul succeeded. You all probably know that Paul had a terrible past. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was really overzealous about everything in his life. He blasphemed Christ. He persecuted the church. He participated in the murder of Stephen, Christianity's first martyr. And uh, after he had met Christ, you would think that the guilt of those past deeds would have paralyzed him. You know, he called himself the chief of all sinners. But Paul did not let his past get him down. He knew Christ accepted him in spite of his failures. By the grace of God, I am what I am, he says, 
forgiven and restored. God gave him a new start. So many of us are tormented by things that we've done in the past, things for which we're not exactly proud, you know, the memories of past failures, mistakes, sins. We wish we could go back and change what we did or what we didn't do. I think of that cartoon of that boy, uh, young boy, school-aged boy who was in a bookstore at the stationery counter looking up the lady and said, lady, do you have any blank report cards? You know, we can kind of understand his predicament, you know. Uh, if only, you know, he could get a new report card, start fresh, you know, and get rid of the old one. But the record is what it is, right? What we did, we did. What we failed to do, we failed to do. So why do we spend all that time and energy worrying about what we did when we can't change it? It's one thing to think about what we did in the past and learn from our mistakes, but it's another thing to uh, condemn ourselves, make ourselves miserable, as many of us are prone to do. We're harder on ourselves than anybody. The truth is we don't have to let our past failures ruin our present. Forgetting what lies behind, we can press on. Perhaps we can only do that by the grace of God, right, by God's help. But you and I can claim Christ's forgiveness and move on. In fact, Christ has given you and me a clean slate, a new beginning, a fresh start. That's what the gospel is all about. That's why it's good news. We can begin again. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new has come. We have a new identity. What better time than the beginning of a new year to take the gospel to heart? So if you've been feeling down on yourself because of some past failure in your life, if you're struggling with guilt and remorse, it continues to eat away at you, remember that His grace is bigger than your failure, His mercy is bigger than your sin, and His goodness is bigger than your badness. So instead of punishing yourself and saying, how could I have done that, maybe you need to ask a new question. What can He do? What can He do? Well, forgive yourself because you've been forgiven by the Lord. Accept yourself because you've been accepted by the Lord. And if he could restore the Apostle Paul to a state of grace and use him in a mighty way, he can do the same for you and for me. So Paul knew that if he was going to grow spiritually in Christ, he was going to have to, to uh, leave his past behind and not look back. That was the first half of his resolution but that wasn't enough. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is head, ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that he would have to keep his eye on the goal, on Jesus Christ himself and upon realizing Christ's purpose for his life. Now, all of us need a goal. I think all of us need a main goal. We need something to aim for, something to give our lives meaning and purpose. And yet there are so many folks who just kind of drift through life. I mean, they don't even think about the purpose of life. They just kind of drift here and there. You know, what are we after? Is it, is it money? Is it, is, it, is it power? Is it pleasure? Is, is the goal of life to pile up more toys than anybody else when we, you know, to win in the end? 
You know, life can be so distracting, cluttered as it is with a whole series of competing goals and loyalties and claims upon our lives. We dare not lose focus on what is most important. And so as the, the, the new year presents us an opportunity to evaluate our goals. I mean, what's really key for us? What's important for us? What's the one thing that's more important than anything else? And as Christians, we ought to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I want to get to know Jesus Christ better. Can we stay focused on that? Now, Paul knew that if he was going to keep his resolution to get to know Christ better, to realize his purpose for his life, he would have to let go of his focus on the past and keep his eyes on the goal. And then says Paul, I strain forward for what lies ahead. And Paul has in mind the image of a long-distance runner. I mean, he is expending every ounce of energy to go for the, the finish line. Every nerve and fiber of his body is, is going for the tape. So that Paul knows that if he's, if he's going to reach his goal to get to know Christ better, he's going to have to expend a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's like a, a contestant in a, in a long-distance race. He would need to have discipline and a healthy dose of perseverance, endurance. And Paul resolved to meet the challenge with the help of God. Now, spiritual growth, just to remind us all, does not happen overnight. If only spiritual growth could happen through wishful thinking. I mean, wouldn't that be great? But no, you and I have to expend energy. We have to put forth effort. We have to do those things that will put us in touch with Christ and keep us on the growing edge. In short, it means giving him our time and the best of our energy to getting to know him. Now, there's lots that I can say about getting to know Christ. But I want to suggest one thing that we can do in 2015, again, to get to know Christ better. And it's simply, beyond attending church regularly, it's simply... Read the Bible more. Read the Bible more. Based on the American Bible Society Barna Group study for 2014, only 19% of Christians are engaged with the Bible. For many, the only exposure to the Bible is that which they receive in church when and if they attend. So why not resolve to actively study the Bible daily this year. Daily. Woodrow Wilson, our 28th president and a very devout Presbyterian, said, the Bible is the word of life. I beg that you will read it and find this out for yourself. When you have read the Bible, you will know it is the word of God because you will have found in it the key to your own heart, your own happiness, and your own duty. And Ronald Reagan, the 40th president and also a Presbyterian, wrote, Inside the Bible's pages lie all the answers to all the problems man has ever known. I hope Americans will read and study the Bible. 
It is my firm belief that the enduring values presented in its pages have a great meaning for each of us and for our nation. The Bible can touch our hearts, order our minds, and refresh our souls. So, if we want to know Christ better, the Bible is the best way to do so, for we meet Him in His pages. It's the only record we have of His words, His life, and His work. Reading it regularly will help us realize Christ's purpose for our lives. It will illuminate life's meaning and purpose. It develops our conscience, it helps us to arrange our priorities, and helps us to make significant improvements in our lives. It keeps our heads and our minds, our hearts in the right place, develops compassion, good judgment within us, and prepares us for a life of eternity with God. Taking time to read the Bible for 15 or 30 minutes a day transforms our lives, our marriages, our relationships, and our families. It makes us better parents, spouses, neighbors, Christians, workers, citizens, and human beings. Daily Bible reading enriches the mind, increases biblical wisdom, and gives strength for the journey. And as the Apostle Paul wrote, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The only way really to get to know Jesus Christ is to read the book. We are a people of the book. If you don't know the book, you really don't know Jesus, or certainly only very partially. Now, I don't know how your Bible reading is going. Uh, hopefully, it, it is being done daily by you. Uh, if you have a smartphone, most of us do now, if you have an iPad or a computer, I would recommend that you go to uversion.com. There you go, uversion.com, all one word, uversion.com and download the Bible app. This app has been downloaded on over 150 million devices, reaches 87% of Christians who have internet access, offering more written languages than any other app on the planet. I mean, it's really an amazing thing. Uh, so you can open up, if you have the app on your phone, uh, you have access to about 12, well, more than a dozen uh, Bibles in English, all other languages are represented as well. There are a thousand, I think there are like a thousand different languages. Um, and uh, what's great about this is that you can browse the, the, the little app and it will give you a, a Bible reading plan. So if you want to read the Bible in a year, that would be a great thing to do, wouldn't it? If you want to read the Bible in a year, you can go to the, uh, to the, uh, the, the plans section and then click on it, and then every day you will find an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage and a passage from the Psalms. And if you do that every day for 15 minutes, you will have read through the entire Bible. But there are other plans as well. Uh, if you want to read the Bible in 21 days, there's a Bible reading challenge. That may be a little bit aggressive for some of us. Um, but, you know, just check it out. And the, and the great thing about it is that uh, th there's also a topical section, a, a plan for dealing with something topically so that if you're dealing with anger in your life, you can click on the anger section and you'll have, there's a plan for that. <laughs> it will give you scripture readings dealing with anger for the next three or four days or with, with, uh, with 
devotionals and thoughts. If you're a fan of the Daily Bread, you know, the little devotional, you'll also find that on that app. Um, the company did not pay me to make this announcement, um, <laughs> but uh, I downloaded it on my iPad last night, and I, I was really impressed. I thought, wow, this is really cool. It gives you a Bible verse of the day, and uh, it's just an amazing thing. Of course, there are other apps that you can pick up too, but that's a that's a really good one, and, and uh, it'll just uh, you know, keep you going so that at those odd moments, if you got your little iPhone or your Android or whatever, then you pull out your Bible and, uh, and then you read. It's pretty nice, and it's all free. It's like grace, God's grace. It's all free. Amazing. Uversion.com. There's also Logos.com, which is another great site that I often use. Uh, so whatever it takes, you know, for you to get into the Word, you know, do it. Uh, we have lots of Bible studies in our church. Uh, join any Bible study. Any Bible you st study you see in the, in, the, in the bulletin there, I know there are some Bible studies that are kind of geared for men or for women, and some are for everybody, but, man, just join a Bible study uh, and uh, just, just enter in. Join in. Well... The Apostle Paul resolved to leave his past failures behind and to press on in the future towards the goal of getting to know Jesus Christ more fully. So I simply say to you, read the Bible more. Paul would fully endorse this strategy. In fact, I bet the Apostle Paul would be using uversion.com. Read the Bible more. It's a worthy resolution for the new year, if there ever was one. Towards the end of C.S. Lewis's series of books, The Chronicles of Narnia, the young girl Lucy returns to the land of Narnia, where she again meets the Christ figure, uh, Aslan, you know, the great lion. And upon seeing Aslan, Lucy expresses her surprise, saying, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan answers, that's because you are older, little one. Not because you are, says Lucy. I am not, says Aslan. But every year you grow, you'll find me bigger. May 2015 be a year of growth for us. And as we read scripture, as we get to know Jesus Christ more intimately, May it be that Jesus Christ looms ever larger in our lives as our Lord and our Savior, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen.